This is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts. We are all now living through a difficult time. More than ever, we are being called to turn toward the light of Christ and to follow Him. So our work doesn't stop. In fact, it's more important than ever. Please consider making a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, between now and Divine Mercy Sunday, April 19th, to help support our efforts to offer spiritual guidance, love, and hope to the world. Hit the donate button at discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the Discerning Hearts free app. Thank you from all of us at Discerning Hearts, and God bless. Discerning Hearts presents a special conversation with His Excellency, Archbishop George Lucas of the Archdiocese of Omaha, who also serves at this particular time as the Apostolic Administrator of the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska. At the beginning of March of 2020, the United States of America fell victim to the global pandemic caused by the novel coronavirus. Our total way of life came to a screeching, frightening halt. Because of emergency governmental regulations and care for the safety of the people of God, necessary restrictions had to be implemented, which prevented the faithful from gathering at large numbers for the Mass and other sacramental celebrations. This led many to be shocked and saddened. With this and all the changes affecting our lives, many of us don't know what to think. Confinement has changed everything in our lives. Daily routine, relationships, family, community, work, and movement. After the initial shock, we are left with trying to make sense of this trial. With seeking God's wisdom to guide us, we might come to find, in all of this, a deeper communion with Christ and a strengthening which comes from God's grace and mercy. With all of this, we now begin our conversation with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. It's so good to be with you, even if it's communicating this way. We've really come to learn the value of communion with each other, haven't we? Especially when it's been kind of ripped away from us. Right. It's built into us as followers of Jesus Christ to desire communion and to love it, to be experiencing communion in him, uh, spiritually, sacramentally, but then, of course, with other members of the body of Christ. These days, when we're told we shouldn't gather, it feels like it's against our nature, and in, in a sense it is. And in a way, it's an important grace that we feel that, and, and then we begin to long for what is really the more normal way of life for Christians. If you don't mind me asking you a personal question, how are you doing this? First, with your extended family throughout the United States. Just as a person, it, this is rattling, isn't it? Yes, it is. My siblings all live halfway across the country from here, and we're kind of used to communicating most of the time by phone or you know, some other means electronically. So we're keeping that up. And I've been uh, in communication with friends, members of the clergy, uh, and also the lady over the past couple of weeks that I just, I've taken the initiative to reach out to them or are they to me. So I have had some beautiful visits on the phone with people who I really cherish. And we're all going through this together in different locations, but uh, trying to support each other. I think many are having that experience. And of course, so many of the meetings and other gatherings that we might have been having, certainly that I would be involved in. We're doing those by Zoom or other such means so that we can continue to communicate in a rather personal way, even though we're not expected to be in the same room together. Isn't it something, I mean, we have found different ways of communicating with each other. And really, 
I, I think it needs to be said in our spiritual life, we're finding that too. I mean, we're having to find ways of somehow touching God in ways that we didn't expect. Maybe we haven't practiced very well in the past. Have you, have you found that to be true, maybe? I have, and I'm, I'm hearing it from, from a number of people. I, our faith tells us that God is not far from us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in the church, and in each of us, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. So we have this intimate relationship with the Trinity. Perhaps we don't advert to it often enough. We know it in, in our heads. I think all of us are having the chance to kind of experience that more now and to, to count on it and to, to see in these unusual days that special grace is being offered to us by God. We know he hasn't turned his back on us or abandoned us, and so that must mean that he's close to us and he's finding ways to, to feed us in the desert, we might say, in ways that we can't manufacture for ourselves or even that we're not used to, but that can be very... Uh, powerful in terms of our own spiritual growth and our our relationship with God. The wave of this pandemic, of course, it started earlier in other nations, in China late last fall, and then as it drifted into Europe in the beginnings of the year. But it comes to America at a particular time, which I find just stunning. It came at, during Lent. Kind of, I don't mean to be cute or anything, but it this is the Lentiest Lent ever. I mean, what a, I, did, I, doesn't, it, doesn't it take you back just a little bit? It does. I've joked, at least I was joking a couple of weeks ago when some of our restrictions were just beginning, that if I had known that at the beginning of Lent I was going to have to give up shaking hands and touching my face, that I would have forgotten about chocolate and beer and some of those other things. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, this is really the, the social distancing and what, what we could have never dreamed of for most people having to stay away from the communal celebration of Mass and and the sacraments to, to not have that those pillars of our, our usual experience to fast from those that's something we, we wouldn't have envisioned and, and we wouldn't have just sort of dreamed up to, to take on ourselves and yet this is our experience now and so it is a, a real sense of going into the desert with the Lord I think and to be trusting in the providence of our Heavenly Father as Jesus did during his time in the desert and in his time of, of uh, of tempting and trial. We know if we're there with him, then he's here with us in this time of trial that we're also very close to our Heavenly Father and can depend on him to sustain us with what we need and, and to even bring us through this in a way that, that we've grown in knowledge and love of him, grown in virtue. Hmm. If I had thought that the last time I celebrated Mass in my parish was going to be the last time for a while, I, I don't, you know, what I have been more pious, what I've been more devout. <laughs> I don't know what I've just appreciated it so much more at the moment, but I didn't until it was taken away. And, it, you know, I am standing with you and uh, to support you 100% and all the bishops who have had to make the tough choice about having those services discontinue for this moment. It doesn't mean that you're not celebrating Mass, right? I mean, you are celebrating Mass. It's just that our participation has been, it's almost like like Holy Saturday. All of a sudden, it's like a prolonged Holy Saturday for all of us. It's different. Yes, I've had that same thought. There's this eerie quiet in the church, not just in the church building, but in the living church that we're not used to. And, and certainly, you know, we're not looking for that to continue over a long period of time, but it, it is where, where we are now. 
I have been getting some great leadership, I think, especially locally from government and from public health officials who seem really to care about the community. They're people of faith, so many of them I, I know, and they really want to protect vulnerable members of our families and of our uh, communities. We all know them, know those mm-hmm. people and, and love them. And there's many that we don't know, but Jesus challenges us to think expansively about who's my neighbor, you know, and who's the, the person that needs something that, that I'm able to, to offer or to do. So this is something we're able to do, to stay away from, from gatherings. And we do it out of love of neighbor and really as part of our expression of, of our love for God. I've told this in other places, but I had an encounter with an employee in a supermarket. I was there during the old folks hour uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, uh, picking up a few things. And an employee of the store came over with a, with a question and really kind of a pain about a pain in his heart and his spirit about, you know, wh- where are we since we can't go to mass and, and communion? And I've been talking to him. I realized he was wondering if God's somehow angry with us, you know, that we're not doing what we're normally supposed to do. That's a question that causes a heartache for any pastor, I think. Mm-hmm. To think that our people are are wondering about God's love or or God's care for us in this unusual time. You can always count on Pope Francis, you know, to be kind of a step ahead of us in praying through these things and you know seeing the the power and and the opportunity in that beautiful Urbi at Orbi prayer service that he held and the blessing that he gave a little over a week ago, praying for the whole world in this time of pandemic and giving the Eucharistic blessing, giving his blessing in an empty St. Peter's Square. He uh, meditated with us on a passage from St. Mark's Gospel, where the evangelist describes the, the apostles in the boat with Jesus going across the lake. Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. A storm comes up, and, and they wake him up, and they wake him up with a question. They ask, Lord, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're about to perish? And the Holy Father asked us to think how, how that must have touched the heart of Jesus to think that they wondered whether he cared. And of course he did. You know, these were his closest friends and and he did care about them and he cares about us. And so I think it's important for us all to remind ourselves and, and one another in this moment, God's not mad at us and we're doing the best we can in, in circumstances that we can't control, that, that we didn't ask for. And I think the bishops and pastors prayerfully understand and we're following the lead of the of the Holy Father in this regard, we understand that it's not a time to gather people together, even though that certainly is our deepest desire and it's ultimately what we look forward to in in the church and what the Lord desires for us too. But for this time, we're not able to do that in, in the same way. And God's not mad about that. Quite the opposite. If this is a time of trial for us, then we can imagine that God's providing extraordinary grace. And the grace is designed to help us grow in holiness and to come closer to sainthood during this time, even though it's a, it is a time of spiritual fasting. Yeah, it's really quite incredible that, as I alluded to earlier, we're in Lent, but now we're approaching Holy Week, and we're in it. We're living it. This is a real experience. I mean, all the years before, we chose to go, maybe in our homes, to say some extra prayers or to to reflect a little bit more deeply, and we go into the church and enter into the liturgy. That liturgy, though, this year, it's different. It, it doesn't change. It's the same liturgy, the, the, church, the same prayer of Christ that the church is offering, and yet it has all touched us in unbelievable ways, hasn't it? Right, and we come to the Lord as we are, 
Uh, we're not um, disembodied spirits, and we're not li living in a day other than the day we're living in. So we have all this, um, you know, this current experience that is confusing and, and fearful, and there's a kind of deprivation in all kind of ways. It's important to for us to remember that the priest will be offering the mass as they have continued to do, but uh, during Holy Week, that those very special, powerful points of connection between the Lord and, and His Church that those will will continue. And the pastors of our parishes stand before God at the head of their people. And even as the, the Pope demonstrated when he stood in an empty St. Peter's Square, sometimes the people are not physically there, but that spiritual and real connection is there. So our, our parish priests go to go before God in, in the sacred liturgy, and we bring all of our people with us. And we receive from God what he only can give us, what he desires to give us, and then we share that with with our people in, in the way that we can. And we feel very limited as we approach Holy Week this year, but God's not limited. And that's the, the beautiful thing. Really, we begin to think about all of the ways which God can touch the hearts of his people. And we want our hearts to be open, to be touched. We're encouraging then that, that, that individuals and families take the prayers and the scriptures of the various days of Holy Week and, and pray them at home and think about them together with, with open hearts, uh, confident that God has something very powerful to share, even as the priest, the pastor of, the, of that family or that com community is standing at the altar, both offering to God the prayers and the, the needs of the people and also receiving from God and through him is, is shared with people in a, in a very powerful way, the, the grace that God himself wishes us to have. In the, the liturgies that are going to be celebrated by the church, even though the people will not be gathered together in the, the size, you know, in the actual buildings of the church, the prayers are continued to be offered, and you will be celebrating those for the entire church, for the Archdiocese of Omaha, but also for the Diocese of Lincoln, in which you are the apostolic administrator. You are still going before the Lord on our behalf, aren't you? Right. It's my privilege to do that. And just want to assure the faithful in, in the Archdiocese of Omaha and in the Diocese of Lincoln that I pray for all of you every day and think of you, pray for you during the Liturgy of the Hours, different times during the day, and, and certainly during the celebration of the Mass. It is an unusual time. It's certainly an unusual time in the Diocese of Lincoln in any case, Bishop Conley's on leave and doing well, I think. I get to communicate with him fairly often. And certainly he's praying for everybody uh, these days as, as we're praying for him. But it, it is an unusual time, but it's not a waste of time. You know, God's, the time belongs to God and he's not wasting it. He's not giving it to us for nothing. We can't quite see the, all the reasons. We can't quite see the, uh, the plan of God at this point, but God is not sleeping. God's not distracted. The, the will of God is effective and powerful. We will say at the Easter feast, like we do every year, uh, proclaim just like the early as Christians did that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is Lord of this time. He's not somehow been rendered ineffective or weak, but Jesus Christ is Lord and put all our trust in him. The beauty of today's modern communication, I mean, I find it fascinating, just lovely that the Lord hasn't left us abandoned. I mean, he's given us this means of communicating. And so 
we will be able to, in the safety of our homes, be able to still participate with you in these liturgies. I think that's a tremendous gift, isn't it? I think it is. We're sometimes overwhelmed by modern technology and electronic communication and devices. And I've, I know I found myself exasperated sometimes thinking, why do we have to bother with all this stuff? But uh, at this moment, I understand why in God's providence, we have so much of it. And we have this capability, even though there's a painful social distancing and an inability to gather for, for the liturgies, we are still able to be in touch in, uh, in this important way. It's not the same thing, but but it's something and it's important. Many of our parishes have been doing this right from the beginning of our restrictions, live streaming Sunday and, and even daily masses. I've heard from parishioners how much they appreciate that. They might not be regularly participating in daily mass throughout the year in normal times, but they have taken the opportunity now to, to connect in this way. And they're hearing the scriptures and, and they're hearing their pastor's voice. There are many opportunities you know, to tune in to the Mass or to, or to other devotions that are broadcast nationally, which are great. There is something, though, about our own pastor. And even in, when we can't all be together, parish priest has been sent there by the bishop, but we really believe that's the Lord's will, his plan for, for the priest and for the parish. And he remains the pastor, even in this unusual time. The communication from our parish priest to our people and from the people to the priest— uh, is really important and fruitful these days, and, and I hear, hear the good of it so often. We are thankfully able to offer live streaming of the Masses from St. Cecilia Cathedral for Palm Sunday, for the Chrism Mass, which will be the day after Palm Sunday, and then for the Sacred Triduum for Thursday, Friday, and the, and the Easter Vigil on, on Saturday evening. And on the website of the Archdiocese of Omaha and other places, too, there, there are easy links to those live stream celebrations that I invite anybody who wishes to tune in. It's such a time of turmoil in the life of so many people. There, uh, Many people, as you know, have lost their sources of income right now, maybe not permanently, but there's a fear that that may be true, that they might have lost their jobs. They're not exactly sure how they're going to sustain their incomes. And this is a time where we have to truly trust, don't we? We have to really put our faith in God to provide for our needs. But it, it is scary, isn't it? It is scary. I don't think any of us who are living today have ever seen anything like it. We've all faced scary moments and or know people who, who have, you know, in, in terms of employment or, or health, but this is the magnitude of this is something that that we've never never seen. There are two challenges in it, there, but they're related. The first is to, to trust in God, to ask God to show us the way forward, particularly if we're in our own lives, in our families, those close to us, if we're, if we're having to deal with the virus itself or with the, the fallout that's experienced in the community, which is the practically experienced for many in a lack of income and a lack of a secure sense about the future or being able to provide for ourselves or, or for those who, who depend on us. The second challenge, though, is and it's, it's a little harder when we're so restricted, but it's the challenge to notice our, our neighbor in need. You know, we're restricted in terms of uh, being able to come together for mass and other gatherings, but there's never a restriction on charity and on care for, for one another. You have to be a little creative, I think, these days in, in how to do it. The worst thing that could happen beyond even the loss of a job 
or the loss of health, is to experience being alone in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that's never the plan of God, that we be isolated. That's the work of the devil. And the devil does go to work on us in, in times of isolation. So I, that's one of my fears as a, a pastor these days, that as societies become somewhat fragmented necessarily, and we're not able to carry out some of the normal social interactions, that, that isolation will deepen, uh, especially for the elderly, for those who are sick or vulnerable who have to stay away from others. But then now uh, in this new reality, those who have real material needs or or uncertainty. Uh, If they're members of our families or if we see that's happening to our neighbors, it's really important that we reach out to one another, that we listen to the fears and challenges, the hopes that that others experience. We also have the opportunity to share what we have with others in a time of need, whether that's whether they're school kids who would normally get most of their nourishment at school who, who need to be fed by the community or others now in our extended families, our neighborhoods, our parishes who are, are facing real financial difficulties. We can't just fix that for people in an, in an easy way, but we don't want anybody to face it alone. It can be a great good, I think, that, that can come from this time that our hearts are really open to listen to each other, to listen to the, the cry and the care of, of those who might have a particular burden, and then to figure out how to rally around them. We know that's God's desire. Uh, Jesus expresses that in so many different ways in the gospel, that we can't really worship God in spirit and in truth. We can't really do that faithfully, uh, wholeheartedly, if we're ignoring uh, the needs of our brothers and sisters. None of us wants to do that. We don't want to ignore it. And there's a call now really to, I think, take a little extra initiative to notice, to uh, see how we might extend care. Yeah, isn't that the message of Easter in a very real way? He's risen, but he's risen up in all of us through our baptism in particular. Those who are the suffering Christ is cared for and nourished by the members of the body of Christ, all of us. And, you know, and we have some incredible heroes that a bunch of people we've always taken for granted, at least I have. I mean, God forgive me. I've taken for granted the people that work at the grocery store. Not just seeing their great faces, but they supply the food that we need, but now in particular, the ones who will pick our food so they can put it in the back of our car or be able to restock those shelves, who go in there when everyone else is saying, we got to stay distant, stay away from people, don't go into places. Those people, and even janitors, Archbishop, I mean, they're our heroes. Again, the people that we took for granted, they're the ones that are, are serving us now, aren't they? Uh, right. There are many people who are working hard every day so that we can have a, a, a bit of normalcy and, and uh, good, you know, good nutrition. We think of, the, of healthcare workers, too, and first responders. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, offering heroic service these days. But there are many who might go unnoticed, you know, if those at home caring for elderly or sick relatives, mm-hmm. uh, parents uh, having to take practical care of the formation, religious formation and the, and the teaching of their kids. They're just, it's, life is scrambled uh, for for a lot of us, and, and for some it's more frightening than for others. It is a, an invitation, though, that I think we're hearing from the Lord to really notice each other in a different way and to take particular notice of, of those who might be carrying burdens that are becoming heavy, that are scary for them, and to express our solidarity for them in a way that, that, that only we can. As I said, the, the feeling of isolation, the experience of isolation is the worst burden in some ways, and and we know that that's not the mission that Jesus has given us in the church. That mission is, is communion. 
we're not only talking about Holy Communion, the sacrament, which is at the heart of our uh, Catholic life, we know, but also the communion one person uh, to another in Jesus Christ, where we share each other's burdens and, and uh, share each other's joys. During this particular Holy Week, I mean, this is a time that the great chrism mass, which would always occur at the cathedrals also in the Archdiocese of Omaha and the Diocese of Lincoln, and quite frankly, all, all around the world where priests would come and you would have a chance to be able to be with them in a very special way in a liturgy. And is, is that going to occur in a similar manner here in our area, or will that have to be restricted a little bit too? Right. In both the Archdiocese of Omaha and the Diocese of Lincoln, the Christmas is traditionally celebrated on the Monday of Holy Week. And I was looking forward to celebrating both of those uh, with, with the priests of, of both dioceses. This year, the Holy See has given bishops the permission to postpone the celebration of the Chrism Mass to a, a time that might be better. During this Mass, the bishop has the privilege of consecrating the Chrism, sacred Chrism, the oil that will be used throughout the coming year, ordinations, confirmations, baptisms, con consecration of altars, very sacred, sacramental in the, in the life of the Church, and also the oil of the sick and oil of catechumens are blessed at, at that Mass. So we've uh, had conversations in both dioceses and, and come to different uh, conclusions for important reasons. I am going to celebrate the Chrism Mass in Omaha at St. Cecilia's Cathedral, 11 a.m. on the Monday of Holy Week. I'll have a few priests with me representing the priests of, of the archdiocese, the officers of the priest council, uh, a vicar for clergy, the, the vicar general, will be there with me, and that'll be live streamed. So we, we will consecrate and bless the oils that will be available then for um, priests to receive at some later time for use in, in parishes across the archdiocese. In the Diocese of Lincoln, the day of the Chrism Mass was also traditionally the day to celebrate um, the special jubilees of, of priests who had, had particular anniversaries of priestly life and, and ministry. We decided in the Diocese of Lincoln to, to postpone the Chrism Mass and the jubilee celebration. We didn't want to miss that. And that's an opportunity to, to honor the, the priests. We don't have a date set for it yet, but when the restrictions are lifted, then we'll begin to, to schedule some of these things that are, are postponed. The priests of Omaha celebrate their jubilees on another occasion, which is also having to be postponed, but we'll uh, catch up with that, that later as well. So we will, I will celebrate a Chrism Mass in, in Omaha the, during Holy Week and then later on uh, in Lincoln when, at a time when we are able to bring all the priests uh, together, for, both for the Mass and for the jubilee celebration. By means of this live streaming, the people of Lincoln can participate as well. I mean, they can also, and people around the world uh, who may not have the opportunity. And the thing about a live stream is oftentimes that's available for later viewing is just to kind of help sustain us, isn't it? I mean, right. it, it is kind of a marvel, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so all these electronic resources, just like the one we're doing now, that we're recording this conversation, uh, they they can be saved and uh, people who wish to listen or participate can do it at a time that works for them. Boy, Archbishop, on uh, the first Sunday of Lent, you met a lot of people, shook, shook a lot of hands, and uh, and they were encouraged to continue on their Lenten journey towards baptism and being brought into full communion into the church. And now those are going to have to be delayed a little bit too, aren't they? That really makes me sad uh, because the... the um, it's one of the, the, the most um, powerful celebrations of the year for me, the rite of election, 
meeting at the cathedral, those who are planning to be baptized at Easter or to come into full communion with the Catholic Church, they come with their sponsors and I get to greet each of them individually. And there's a great warmth and you sense the, the anticipation in them to enter fully into the church's sacramental life. That is, uh, in most cases, having to, be, having to be delayed. And I feel very bad about that. The hope is that they'll continue with their sponsors and, and others in the, in the parish to, to pray and continue to be formed in the faith. Beautiful thing about our faith, we never exhaust all of the mysteries and the teachings, you know, that we can come to appreciate more of that can, can take place. Then, we hope before long, when the parishes come back together, there can be a celebration of initiation for those candidates and elect that other parishioners can also participate in and they can add to the celebration of coming back together, I think. I just have to believe that for this particular a number of people that are going to be brought in at those special celebrations and parishes. Yes, the Easter Vigil is, is extraordinary. It is just, there's nothing like it. But this year, those who are being brought into the church, I think are going to be, can it be bigger? I mean, the graces that God must have for them, that because of their patience, perseverance, fortitude, all those things, that when they are brought into the church, it's going to be something really special. Yeah, it'll be very special for them, I'm confident. It's also special for the rest of us, because they, they are a grace to us. Uh, ever since Pentecost, there's never been anybody exactly like any of those people who, who will be initiated into the church this year. So they bring a gift that the Lord wishes us to experience in the church. In them, it's, each of them is unique. I'll be rejoicing all around, I think, that it'll be happy for them and, and happy for all of us. During this particular time, during this Holy Week, what, how would you have the faithful prepare themselves? How would you have them enter into this particular time of so much confusion and maybe just a bit anxiety and maybe a dose of fear? How would you, how would you console them, Archbishop? Yeah, I think you gave the answer. I, I would encourage us to enter in to take each of the days of, of Holy Week one at a time, to read the scriptures, which will be proclaimed at the Masses, but they're available to us wherever we are. Read them out loud as a family or as, as a couple, however we might uh, uh, be together these days. Uh, to read the prayers and the other ceremonies. And then also, I, I think in a number of our parishes, the parishioners are being provided with resources. So prayers are meditations that can be used in what we call the domestic church, the, the home, to um, really be drawn into the mysteries that are celebrated day by day during Holy Week. There's a power in all of this. We'll experience it if we try, if we try it, if we set aside time to pray, whether it's with a live stream that we're receiving from, from a celebration of the liturgy in church or do it in a quiet time ourselves or with our families. We hear the the answer to the question that I mentioned earlier in our, in our conversation, it, we hear it loud and clear during these days if we're paying attention. And the question is, you know, does the Lord care? Does Jesus really care about us? Does he recognize us in our particular need this year, in our particular circumstances, in our lives and, and in our families? It's important that we know the answer to that, uh, and we get the answer very powerfully during these days. The Lord knows suffering. He knows limitation. He knows the effect of original sin as we're all experiencing it now. There's a brokenness in the world that 
isn't our fault necessarily, but that burdens us that we're experiencing. Jesus is part of that, and he brings all that to the cross with him. He has offered this all together as a perfect sacrifice to the Father. It's an offering that, that continues in, in eternity. It doesn't have to happen over and over again, but it's a, a powerful eternal gift that uh, the Son of God gives to, to the Father, and he brings all of us with him in that gift. And then we're reassured at Easter that the suffering, the limitation, the death, the effect of sin that burdens us, that that's not the, the last word. Uh, God is more powerful than that, and God uses his power on our behalf. And we experience that in our life in, in the risen Christ. Mm. That, that's true every year. It is a, a powerful truth that we need to not only have in our heads, but also experience in some way. And I think in the setting aside the time to pray and to allow the Lord to be with us in the scripture as he always is, is when we open the scriptures that, that we're going to experience in, in the way that we need to, the way that, that will be helpful to us. My advice then is to, to enter in, to make this a holy week wherever we find ourselves. It's not a waste of time because we can't go to church or because ordinary things aren't happening. There are very powerful graces being offered, but what's up to us is, is to open our hearts to receive them. Mm. That's, that's so beautiful, Archbishop Lucas. And just for those who are listening, I'm going to ask you something that you did not ask me to to bring this up. But I, as someone who for a, a decade worked in parishes in the Archdiocese of Omaha, I would just personally like to encourage people, don't forget your parish. Continue the support, the tithing that you were so generous with prior to this. If, you know, if at all possible, do that, because the parish serves on so many different levels, the community and its people. And quite honestly, they have the employees there. They too, they're, they're as scared too, because they have families and they have needs. And it's part of what they do is serve you. So if at all possible, continue your generosity to your parish. They need you as much as you need them. Thanks for that. I just add amen to that. Yeah, it's. I, I think that's part of the, the fear that comes in all of this is that we want to fall in and protect ourselves and we become a bit self-reliant. And Jesus keeps telling us over and over again, doesn't he, Archbishop, be not afraid and to trust him. And that's the challenge, isn't it? It is, always. And I would say particularly for those of us who are employed, I'm one of them. Um, even though the, the future is uncertain, the, um, the life of the parish and other good works in our church and our community really depend on the material resources that we're able to still share. Others you know, may not have that ability at, at this moment. So if we have it, we to remember where it comes from and offer a portion of it back to God and in trust and in thanksgiving. In mm, all things. Well, Archbishop, in, in the conclusion, in particular of this conversation, as we are approaching the holiest of times in the life of the church. Do you have any final thoughts? We put all of our trust in Jesus Christ, our Savior. We see in him uh, how much our Heavenly Father loves us, even in our sinfulness, especially in our sin and, and in our weakness. God is looking on us with great tenderness and compassion these days, and we've come to experience that in a very personal way as our relationship with the risen Lord is, is renewed. So I just encourage us to ask the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, dwells in the church, to, to give us a real experience 
of the, the power of the death and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. And I don't think that's a blessing that will be denied us. That's lovely. Could we have your apostolic blessing, Archbishop? We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your care for us and our Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for these holy days and to which we are entering. Help us open our hearts to receive all that you have in mind to give us these days. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all who are listening and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Your Excellency. Thank you, Chris. Blessed Holy Week and Easter to you and to your family. Thank you. You've been listening to a special conversation with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time. God bless.